five, four, three, two, two, three. Hey, in this episode, we're going to be talking about traveling with depression, specifically around dive travel with depression. I know that I've been coaching several of my vets and responders who are doing dive travel, but they deal with PTSD, depression, anxiety, and those kind of things. And sometimes that holds people back. So if you are someone who deals with depression and you're traveling or you have been traveling, congrats. You're already ahead of a lot of people who've just decided to sit in bed, pull the head, pull their uh, covers over their head and not really do anything about it. Welcome to the podcast, One Dive at a Time, the official podcast of Neptune Warrior. My name is Rob Anderson. I'm a NAWI and SEI scuba instructor. I also hold certifications around dealing with trauma, cognitive behavior therapy coaching, financial coaching, and I've got a list that I could try to impress you with, but instead of doing that, let's just go ahead and drop into this podcast and start understanding dive travel with depression. I've got seven areas that I tend to focus on. I am someone who deals with PTS as well as anxiety. I don't do well in airports. I don't do well when my routine is upset a little bit. And as I've been coaching others, I'm finding it's not that uncommon. And what is highly common is people who don't understand this. And they're like, oh man, when you travel, you shouldn't be depressed at all because it's vacation, you're having a good time. Those of us who deal with depression, those of us who deal with anxiety, recognize that it's not all pineapples, coconuts, and rainbows, right? A lot of us struggle to get the energy up to travel. And it's very easy to dismiss those milestones as we're doing dive travel. We also need to make sure that we resist, or at least we're, we're aware of things like cognitive distortions, you know, like all or nothing, like, oh man, that whole trip, it sucked. The dives on that trip sucked. The people I traveled with sucked. Or if I can't go to Rotan for 10 days, that sucks. And so we have to, that's, that's probably the precursor to this is understanding that you've got to be aware and begin to dismiss those cognitive distortions. And there's... I've talked about cognitive distortions on an earlier podcast. You can go back to that episode to check it out. And it's something I will be talking about at a later date. Not going to focus on that. Instead, I am going to focus on the seven things that really helped me as well as others that I've coached and I continue to coach that deal with dive travel and depression. I think the first one, you got to have a contingency plan. You've got to know what to do should you face a depression outbreak while on a trip? Because in a lot of times you could be in a different country, you don't speak the same language. When Brooks was having ear trouble in Rotan, it was difficult to find eardrops. Imagine trying to find mental health help when different cultures and different countries look at mental health a lot differently than what we do here in the U.S. So understand what is your plan? What happens should you have 
a breakdown or if you get anxious or if you have a flashback, any of those things that could potentially happen on a dive trip, you want to have a contingency plan. One of the things I do is I make sure I check in often with loved ones. So in a previous life, it was my spouse that I would check in with. I've got uh, a best friend that I check in with. My folks who have been with me on on a good you know on a good portion of my own my own battle may not always understand but at least they're an entity that I can check in with just to make sure that I'm that I'm okay but I do have very specific people in my life that I check in with and if they're on the trip that's even better because then they're constantly checking in with me I like having that supporter on call for me someone that I can go to that can be reactive and get me into a situation. So, for example, when I travel with Brooks, we have hand signals that we use. I've, I've talked about this on a, on a previous podcast where if I flash the number five, that means that I'm good. I'm great. I'm having an awesome time. No issues at all. Four, hey, still really no issues. There's some things that could give me issues, but you know what? I'm, I'm dealing with it pretty well. It goes the opposite end of the spectrum where if it's a one, you got to get me out of here now. So having that communication, having her check in with me, having a group that I travel with that also understands that I deal with this. Now, by the way, they don't empower that. They're empathetic. They don't enable it. But for example, being in DFW airport, I don't do well with airports. I did a lot of deployments that many times we were connecting through an airport. Airports are crowded. There's, a lot, there's lots of movement. Obviously, from history, we know that there are threats in airports. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of confusion. I can remember being a leader and having to check a manifest, make sure that, we got, that my troops got on the right plane at the right time. So we can make a connection someplace like McGuire or make a connection in Frankfurt and then get onto a troop transport. So airports are not good for me. And having a support group that understands that and checks in with me and lets me check in with them. And we can find those areas that I do much better in. Is all part of that contingency plan. Making sure that when I, when I travel, I make sure I get a cancellation for any reason policy. So that if all of a sudden I have a flashback, which doesn't happen often with me, more than likely I go into anxiety mode and I have to miss an airplane because I'm having an anxiety episode. If you have depression and Let's face it, if you truly, truly have depression, those of you who deal with depression understand this, there are days where it is really difficult to get up and motivate yourself, and you miss a flight. You fly to Miami out of Salt Lake. You get down there, you have to connect with a flight the next day. As you're doing that, then maybe it's an overnight stay. You get up the next morning, and you can't get out of bed. And you have to change your travel plans. 
So that, that can be part of it. Also having resources such as better health. Better health is an excellent resource for people who deal with anxiety and deal with depression that they can reach out and have that support network that, that they need. The other one is medication prep. So making sure that you've got the right meds on board, but also being aware that there are different laws and different restrictions in different areas that may not allow your medication in or limit the amount of medication. So there's a couple different sites that you can go to. IAMT is, is one of those that you can go to uh, to find out if you've got the right, or if the meds that you have, you have the right disclaimers for it if you've got a doctor's note if you've got them in the original prescription case it's ironic when i was traveling to taiwan i couldn't take tylenol in with me you know something that's over the counter here has to be prescribed there yet when i was in the hospital there they basically gave me liquid morphine mixed it with a little bit of cough syrup that i could bring back with me to, to my hotel room and take as much of that as i wanted to well within what the doctor's prescription was. So understanding that different countries have different laws that you have to, that you have to use. But again, making sure that you've got the, you know, that you check out the laws, you check out the restrictions, having it in the container, having it with a note. Also make sure that you're not changing your medications. 60 to 90 days is really what you want to be on that medication and not changing up what the, uh, you know, what the dosage is. And it's real tempting for people with depression if they're taking something that helps them to sleep or get them through the day, or if you've got someone who has anxiety and they're taking something that helps them sleep, that they'll back off on that or they'll add to it, right, depending on what the, what the case is. And pretty soon their meds are out of whack, and that can cause... A, a deadly, if not if if only catastrophic, change in the chemistry of the brain. So don't change or amend your meds. And again, IAMT is a great resource to to reach out to to find out if what you're taking is even legal to go into that to go in that country. All right, number three, dive your plan, plan your dive. You've heard that since you've been a certified diver, right? Or hopefully you did. Otherwise, we're going to have to ask you who's your instructor. But Having a plan going into it is going to reduce stress. There's already a lot of stress that deals with travel. You know, you've got setting up the, the, the tickets and setting up the accommodations. And now with, with all the COVID restrictions and, and airlines just treating customers like crap and everything else, your flight gets canceled or your flight may get canceled. If you've got anxiety, just thinking about whether or not your flight's going to get canceled or not can really throw your game off. And there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of pressure to do things. So I like to do a lot of, of pre-trip preparation. I will have my dive bag already packed with the things that I'm going to take to Rotan. I'll make sure that my regulators have been serviced well before it's time to go on the trip. And I've got three, four, five, six dives with them before I even take them on a trip, even if it's just pool dives. I'll do a lot of pre-packing to make sure I've got the right things with me, whether it's dive gear or the things I'm going to take with me. I'll also look at route selection. My mom used to set up a lot of executive travel, and I still rely on her to make sure that I get into the right airport 
that I've got, you know, that, and she understands which airports I do better in. And as I talk with my coaching clients, there's certain airports and certain amenities and certain routes. You know, looking, looking more for like direct routes to get you there, or if you don't like being bottled up in an airplane for as long. So instead of going from Portland to Puerto Rico, maybe you go from Portland. Actually, this is a pretty bad example because it's, it's just a hop and skip and jump. Maybe you, go from, maybe you go from Portland to Dallas to Puerto Rico because then you're not inside the aircraft as long. But now you've got to deal with, you know, if you have to have baggage transfers or aircraft transfers or, or anything like that. So looking at route selection. If you're driving a car, look at route selection. If you're taking a train, if you're taking a bus, if you're flying, whatever it is, look at your route selection, look at the airports, look at the amenities that, that are there. The other one, as part of dive your plan, plan your dive, is realistic expectations. If you're going to Cozumel for eight days, do you, do you expect to dive six of those three dives a day? Two morning, one afternoon, one morning, one afternoon, one night, two morning, one night, whatever it happens to be, right? Setting realistic expectations. I love to dive, man. I love to be out and in the water all the time. I don't do well on boats. So one of the expectations that I have to set is not doing a lot of boat dives or at least having a place that you go to that the boat rides are not that tough. So setting those realistic expectations of the number of dives that you're going to do, how many dives, what type of dives. And then if you're going to take tours, if you're going to go shopping, scheduling downtime. And even scheduling downtime can be kind of stressful because now you feel like you have to be with everybody in the group. That's one of the things I love traveling. When I go to Hawaii, I go with my folks. And they're like, man, if you want to sit around the condo all day, just sit around the condo. When we went with Phil, Lori, Jason, and Larissa, and Brooks, it was, if you want to go to dinner, this is what time we're doing dinner at. And there were nights where maybe just Brooks and I did something. Maybe there was nights where just Phil and Lori did something. But scheduling that social time, but scheduling the downtime. And then... Even having the expectation to be flexible that, hey, at 3 o'clock on Tuesday, I may not get my opportunity to sit back with my Kindle and read it. On Wednesday morning, I may not get that opportunity to sit back and play my uke. So again, realistic expectations and simper Gumby. Always be flexible. Also, you have to look at ways to mediate triggers. So if you know that having a rigid schedule is going to throw you off, then don't have a rigid schedule. If you know that going to a disco at night is going to hype up your, your crowd anxiety, avoid it. Also part of planning this trip is setting up work-home presets, making sure bills are paid in, in advance. If you need to set up your out-of-office email, if you need to finish projects before you go or give someone who's designated. I mean, when I start planning out a trip, I let my boss know months in advance, hey, this is the week I'm going. About a week before, I'm not, 
we might as well go ahead and push or pull the deadline in by a week because if my deadline is the week that I'm traveling, my head is not into it. And what it does is it stresses me out for my trip. And I don't answer emails and I don't do work when I'm on vacation. My vacation is my vacation. But setting up out-of-office emails, making sure projects are done, having a designated representative for at work, making sure bills are paid in advance so I don't get down to someplace that barely has connectivity and I can't hop on the Internet to, to pay a bill. Or that when I come home, my water's not shut off. The other one is just new place expectations. Sometimes going into new places, some of the people that I coach don't do well with 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 that. They don't like not knowing. I know that when I took a trip, had to wait a long time in the queue to go through customs, then about, about never got uh, the bus that was supposed to take me to the resort, got to the resort, got checked in, went to the room, showered at work. The headboard of the bed one of the legs was broken. And with it being a third world country, getting help at 10 o'clock at night when everybody has gone to sleep, you just have to, you have to roll with it, right? It sucks. But most resorts are going to take good care of you because they know that you travel and you're going to share expectations and talk about travel later on. They're going to be recommended. They want to do most places, especially post-COVID, want to do a good job. Well, most places, except for here in the U.S., a lot of times, they want to do a good job because it is a service and it's a travel industry. So just understanding with a new place, it's new language, right? It's, it's new food, it's new menus, it's new expectations around, again, with the whole COVID thing, there are places that you still have to walk into wearing masks, even though the place that you're coming from, you may not have to wear a mask. The other part of dive your plan and plan your dive is setting small goals. You have to find ways to push for pleasure. You have to find fun stuff. This is called behavior momentum. On the days that you wake up and you feel like you just can't move, you've got a depression flare up. You have to find ways to move yourself and find just small things that you enjoy doing. Once you get that momentum, oftentimes it begins to propel you forward. So again, small goals. You get up, maybe you had three dives planned for that day, two morning dives and a, and a night dive. Maybe the plan is just to get through, through those two morning dives. Maybe the plan is just to meet your travel partners for breakfast, and then make a decision. I'll be straight up with you guys. The, as someone who has traveled with someone with depression, it can be draining. That person who's got depression can be absolutely draining. And we need your help. As someone who travels with anxiety, I recognize that there are ways I have to be able to push myself forward a little bit so that my travel partner is not burned out. Because my travel partner's got the same stress, it just manifests differently, it's processed differently. It's different brain chemicals. 
The things that are freaking me out doesn't freak her out. The things that make me highly uncomfortable don't make her highly uncomfortable. But as long as she's working really hard to try to understand me and get me into situations where I'm doing better, I have to do the same thing. And it sucks. It sucks to have to try to push yourself with that. As a person with depression, you've got to find a way to propel yourself forward. That behavior momentum. Find something that you enjoy doing. Then find the next thing that you enjoy doing. And even if it doesn't give you a lot of joy, even if it's just passing the time, you're helping those around you that are there to support you. Because what you don't want to do is as people are trying to support you, you keep draining and you keep pulling and you keep taking out of that emotional bank account. If you can find ways just to make small deposits back into that, that encourages them to continue helping you. All right, number four, routine. Big one, sleep. It is so easy to lose sleep when you travel. Get up early morning, go hit the dive boat. Maybe before that you got up a little bit earlier so you could eat breakfast. Then you hang out all day. Then you go shopping. Go, to, you know, go do some tours. Then you go eat lunch. Then you do some more shopping, do some more tours. Then it's nighttime. You go eat dinner. Hey, they've got a great disco down here. They've got a great nightclub down here. We're going to go hang out. We're going to go drink a little bit, maybe drink a little bit more than what we should. And pretty soon, man, our routine is way off because that's not what we do on a daily basis. So setting up a routine where you're getting about six to eight hours worth of sleep. Now, I carry it. I have recently started on a CPAP. I can guarantee you the next trip I make, that CPAP's going with me because that's part of my routine. And not only am I getting six to eight hours of sleep, but I'm getting six to eight hours of really good sleep. Making sure that I'm eating right. And by the way, I will start the eating right part before I leave because I don't want a total dietary change while I'm there. So I'll make sure that I'm eating good foods. I'll try to find foods from the region and shift my diet a little bit towards, towards what those foods might be. I try not to eat really, really rich foods. Now, there's a couple nights when we are in Honduras that, man, lobster every night. And <laughs> lobster and steak every night. Really rich foods. But eating good, solid meals, getting good sleep, less parties... Keep in that routine. If you journal on a daily basis, that needs to be part of your routine. If you take 20-minute naps, that needs to be part of your routine. So try to keep your routine. Now, because when you travel, things on your routine are going to get whacked anyway. But try to maintain a lot of the things that you do within your routine. If you normally text your kids goodnight, then text your kids goodnight. Number five, make sure you've got a support system. Phil, Lori, Jason, Larissa, and Brooks, you guys are amazing when we go to, Roots, to Rotan. Mom and Dad, Abby, you guys are great when we go to Hawaii. John, Vicki, Ivan, KJ, you guys are amazing when we go to Hoodsport because you guys are that support system for me. My PTS rears itself very hard in airports. I have to find places that I'm not getting 
disrupted. I hate using the word triggered. But where things are not getting disrupted, where I'm not feeling threatened, where I feel safe. Again, having those signals with Brooks, having the conversations with Phil, having the conversations with my mom. All those are part of that support system. Having a support system that understands that I can't push myself. And when I travel with people who have depression, man, I wish I'd known this five, six, seven, eight years ago when I was traveling with someone who had depression. I wish I'd known half of this stuff. Because I probably did it wrong. Trying to push that person to go take walks on the beach. Push that person to go snorkeling. Push that person to go shopping. When that person was fighting a lot of depression because they had changed up their meds, their routine was off. They just had a job loss. I'll admit it. I screwed up. I didn't know. Now I do. And I still travel with someone who deals with depression. But I've got a much better playbook to go along with. Because I support that person with their depression like they support me with my anxiety and my PTS. And I know not to push. I know just enough to get that behavioral momentum going, but not push to a point of exhaustion. Number six, surface interval time. Man, I really hope you know this as a diver. Otherwise, again, I'm going to ask who your instructor is. Surface interval time, so important. You've got to have that headspace and timing. You've got to find places where you can go and be quiet. For me, oftentimes, it's getting time with my ukulele or getting time with my iPod or getting time with a book. You have to have times where you don't feel the pressure. You have to have times where you're not being pushed you got to have times where you can find that, that quiet, those quiet moments. You also have to make sure that you're not feeling that pressure of having to do all of it at once. Make sure that you're saving gas in the tank. You want to make sure that you've got good reserves. Because when depression hits... You have to make sure that when that depression hits, that you've got enough in the reserves that you can fight it. It's much better to say, while you're having your quiet time, man, it'd be kind of cool to be down at the nightclub right now, than to be at the nightclub wishing that you were anywhere but there. Again, make sure that you save some for reserves. The other part is journal. Sometimes it's journaling your daily routine. Sometimes it's journaling the events that you've gone through. Sometimes it's journaling the experience that you've just had. For me in 2016, it was journaling what would become Neptune Warrior much later. So get opportunities to have surface interval time, 
get some headspace and timing, be quiet, get those things around you that make you comfortable. Don't feel like you have to do it all. And then the very last one, be patient. Give yourself some credit. For many of us, it might be something new to be traveling for the first time when dealing with PTS or dealing with anxiety or dealing with depression. That's a pretty cool thing when you think about it because, again, like I said, you're way ahead of the ballgame than many, many other people who just decided to resign themselves to not travel. Traveling with depression is a very, very real thing. Making sure that you understand what the struggle is. Trying to find the energy to go travel. Understanding that there are people around you that may be dismissive of what you're going through and the struggle it really is. That can be very difficult, but traveling can be such a healing for dealing with depression. Opportunities to go dive places that you've never seen before. Dive with people that are close to you or the opportunities to meet new friends. It's just in the matter to make sure that you've got a contingency plan, that you do your preparation with your medications, that you dive your plan, plan your dive. Making sure that you've got that routine, making sure you've got a support system in place. Getting that surface interval time where you can get all your headspace and timing back, moments to be quiet, opportunities to recharge, reset, and move forward. But most important, be patient. Getting an opportunity to travel someplace new, submerge into the water, and breathe bubbles Check that. <laughs> Breathe compressed air and blow bubbles. It's an incredible opportunity. There's a whole world out there to explore. And don't miss it because you're dealing with something. And remember, in the end, as long as you've got air, you're all right.